Hello and welcome in everybody. It is another Tuesday night here. That means we are talking the latest in Georgia football. That means we are talking college football playoff rankings. It means we are talking a quarterback situation that doesn't seem like it's ever going to fully resolve itself, certainly in the way that many people want it to. It means we're going to talk about the health of Dominic Blaylock and George Pickens. And it means it's we're going to talk about whatever questions you guys have this week. It's Connor in coverage. My name is Connor Riley. We do the latest uh, Georgia news notes recruiting, which has become a very big topic recently. Thanks uh, to Dan Mullen. And I guess a, a, a single question that I had asked. And so we'll touch probably on that a little bit tonight. We've got college football playoff rankings. Obviously the big news of the night. That'll be a lead topic here. Just a little bit on the Georgia quarterback situation and then really go in whatever direction you guys want to go. I see Michael Wilson asking about the Braves. Yes, they're playing later tonight. I was at game five. It was really cool for the first inning. And then after that, it was kind of a bummer. But hopefully Braves get a win tonight, win the World Series. It'd be a great uh, feeling for a lot of fans and friends out there, uh, my roommates included. So if you hear any screaming during the game, probably means the Braves are doing something wild. So without further ado, let's get into the big news of the day, the big news of the moment anyway. The college football rankings, first reactions, obviously Georgia comes in at number one. That wasn't much of a surprise there. I think given the way Georgia has played this season, there was very little debate. But after that, it got real interesting real quick as I pull up the rankings for you from the college football playoff committee. Alabama at number two, Michigan State at number three, Oregon at number four, Ohio State at five, Cincinnati at six, Michigan at seven, perhaps a little surprisingly, and then Oklahoma there at number eight. So you see the full top 25 there. Georgia has wins over Kentucky and Auburn. I, I think Auburn and Texas a play each other this week. I think that's going to make things very interesting in terms of how the SEC West sort of sorts itself out. We'll start first with the what this means for Georgia and then delve a little bit deeper into what it means for some of these other teams and how that might potentially impact Georgia there. Obviously, if Georgia keeps winning, they're going to be the number one team in the country. They're going to make their way into the playoff. And I think with what you see here, with Alabama being the number two team in the country, even if Georgia were to lose that game to Alabama somehow, I, th- I still think you'd have to feel pretty good about Georgia getting in if they're a 12-1, and one-loss SEC champion. Oregon, one-loss Pac-12 champ, potentially. Michigan State or Ohio State, one of those teams is at the very least going to have one loss there. So if you're Georgia, this is exactly what you want to see. You Alabama one, Georgia two. And there, yes, there is a, I think a healthy skepticism here about Alabama being number two, despite the loss to Texas A&M and what that might mean going forward. But for right now, if you're a Georgia fan, I, I guess this is what you want on November 2nd, Georgia, the number one team in the college football playoff rankings. It's not something that is unusual to this Georgia program. They were the number one team in the 2017 college football playoff rankings. And Kirby Smart was sort of asked a little bit beforehand tonight. We spoke to him about an hour before these rankings came out. You know, what is your sort of takeaway from this and how do you navigate around this? Because obviously for Georgia, the goal isn't to be the number one team in the country on November 2nd. The goal is to be the number one team in the country on January 11th, the day after the national title this year. And Kirby Smart came armed with, with a pretty interesting factoid. This is now, I believe, the eighth time that we've had college football playoff rankings. Of the first seven teams to start number one in the initial poll, only one team uh, has come has ended the season also as the number one ranked team in the country. That would be Alabama when they did it last year. So Kirby Smart brought that up to the media and sort of gave a deeper explanation as to what the rankings mean to him and his team and really how to go about avoiding some of the pitfalls that other teams have succumbed to while being ranked as the number one team in the first college football playoff ranking. So here's Kirby Smart on that matter. One's the answer. 
So my, 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 my point would be to the players, and I made the point today and, and we'll continue to make the point, why? <clears throat> why did only one of the seven win it? And it's pretty easy because it, it either went to their head, um, it affected them, um, they didn't continue to grow and get better. And, you know, the narrative out there will be people will say, I'm not saying this because I certainly don't think it's true at all. But the narrative is what distorts young people's mind that they read on social media and things that there's this, you know, upper echelon of teams. And then there's this other group. And I don't think that's the case at all. I don't, I don't, I don't see it that way. I see every team in that top 10, top 15 capable of beating each other. Uh, any given Saturday. So what we better do is distance ourselves from everybody else and get better because we got some tough roads coming down the, the pipe starting this week and every week to follow when you play in the SEC. So that's our concern is not that. We're not worried about that. I told them they could tune in and watch the Braves, but there's no need to watch the other because that's not that's not what's important. And it's distorted at least six other teams' mind enough for them not to make it there. Yeah, so you hear Kirby Smart there talking about it and what it means going forward for this program. He knows the goal here isn't to be the number one team in the country right now. The goal is to be the number one team at the end of the season. And so for Georgia to do that, they're going to have to continue to avoid some of the things that have tripped up teams in the past, like an Ohio State, like a Clemson, even in Alabama in, in 2014, the very first rankings when those came out. So I think this Georgia team knows what it's playing for. They're not really all that worried about this number one ranking or, or, or the weight that comes with it. They know 12 o'clock on Saturday, they've got to go take care of Missouri. After that, they've got to go take care of Tennessee and so on and so forth through the rest of the season. I will note this team, and I've been covering Georgia for, I, I think, on an everyday basis, at least three years now under Kirby, and then obviously dating back to Mark Rick's last two years when I was in college. This Georgia team has just a completely different feel to it. It feels like it knows that it is playing for a championship and it knows it is capable of playing for a championship. And so week in, week out, they're going to go out there and put forth their best effort. And This defense has done so every week. This offense, we continue to see them make some forms of progress. And I still think we've yet to see the best game from this Georgia offense. And we'll touch a little bit more on why that's the case later on. But for right now, November 2nd, if you're a Georgia fan and you're wondering specifically about what this means for Georgia, you have to like what you see because even if it is one versus two Georgia, Alabama in the sec championship game, well, yes, a loss there is not what you want. And it is obviously going to be a nervy 24 hours after that, a loss to the number two team in the country. When you were the clear number one from the entire college football playoff season, I think would leave you feeling pretty good about Georgia's odds of making it into a college football playoff, even in the event that they have one loss though. I think just about everyone here wants to see Georgia get in as a un undefeated team and a clear, no doubt about it. SEC champion. Alabama does still have to play Auburn at Auburn uh, to close out the regular season there. Auburn has, is going to have some say in this as well because they play at Alabama. They play Texas A&M this week. And then if they win both of those games, they're going to go play Georgia in the SEC championship game. And I think that's an Auburn team. I know. And I've, been as guilty of this as anybody and when they changed the schedule it, you know and, and moved Tennessee to to November and moved up Auburn that's not always going to be a great thing for Auburn because as we've seen time and time again and regardless of who the coach is Auburn is a team that gets better over the course of its season as a lot of teams do Kirby Smart and his Georgia teams want to do that this Auburn team looks a lot better now, even a month after they had played Georgia than when Georgia had played them back earlier. So getting Auburn, I think when they did in the schedule, I think was a big win for Georgia. And if they have to see them again, after having gone through beating Texas A&M, beating Ole Miss, when this team's confidence is riding higher, as high as it could be, 
I think that's going to be a really interesting game to watch and follow there and how this Auburn team progresses over the course of the season. I think they're going to beat Texas A&M this weekend. I'm not exactly impressed with what I've seen. Obviously, they beat Alabama, but around that, they only beat this Missouri team 35-14, and this Missouri team, quite frankly, stinks. So I think that's sort of a thing to watch there. As far as the sort of national perception here, I'm not surprised Alabama came in at two. If you want to go on eye test, they've done everything they wanted to. Obviously, the 49, the two big wins over the Mississippi schools have had them propped up. Other than that A&M game, they have not really struggled at all. And so I understand Alabama there, too. Michigan State, I mean, when they ranked Michigan at seven, that was going to be a clear indicator that Michigan State was going to be ranked pretty highly, even though they have some questions about how well they have game control and played so far. Without a doubt, head-to-head clearly matters here. That's why you see Mississippi State ahead of Kentucky. It's why you see Wisconsin ahead of Iowa. It is why you see Oklahoma State ahead of Baylor. And I believe at the end of the day, it is why you see Oregon ahead of Ohio State. Anyone that watches football would note that Ohio State has looked better than Oregon this year. But head-to-head, I believe, has to matter. And I think the committee views that as well, which is why you have Oregon over Ohio State here. And as, let's say, Ohio State and Oregon both finish with one loss at the end of the season, both as conference champions, that means you're going to kick Michigan State out. If Oklahoma keeps winning, I think because they'll have wins over Oklahoma State and Baylor, and while they have been unimpressive this season, and I think there's legitimate reason for them to be ranked number eight, they're going to occupy one of those spots as well there. And so it then becomes interesting. All right, well, you have three teams really playing for two spots in Cincinnati, Oregon, and Ohio State. Oregon pretty should pretty safely feel like they're in there, even with a bad loss to Stanford, because the head-to-head over Ohio State is better than anything Cincinnati or Ohio State will have. Now, I will note, Cincinnati, it's going to be real tough for them to move up. And yes, they might benefit from some teams losing. They really need Oregon, I think, to lose again to help them out there. Michigan State's probably going to fall to Ohio State, quite frankly. And you need, and Cincinnati's going to be the biggest Georgia fans out there, in part, I don't know how much the the college football playoff committee is weighing last season's Peach Bowl results, but they need Alabama to lose a second time there. And, and even then, Cincinnati coming in at six, quite frankly, Cincinnati's position rhymes with the Oregon Duck mascot and where they are in terms of getting into the playoffs. And I mean, look, Ohio State doesn't have a better win than Cincinnati does on the road at number 10, Notre Dame. So that, you know, and again, yes, they struggled against Navy, but they pretty thoroughly controlled the Tulane team that Oklahoma struggled with more. And Oklahoma doesn't really have all that impressive of a resume either there. So I think Cincinnati is certainly the most interesting thing, interesting team when it comes to the rankings right now, this first set. Until I actually physically see it, I don't believe the college football playoff committee is going to put a group of five team in the college football playoff. I I just think there's too much skepticism. There's enough history now to where we know that is probably the case. And it just stinks for Cincinnati because how are they ever supposed to prove that they belong if they can't even really get a seat at the table? They went toe-to-toe and very nearly beat Georgia last season in the Peach Bowl. Georgia needed a late field goal, 53 yards from Jackpot Lesney to win that game. And, And so... You know, they had the impressive win. They went out and scheduled. They won at Notre Dame. And I know this Notre Dame team isn't impressive, but that Notre Dame team might finish with one loss as well. And I know there's a lot, there's a healthy amount of anti Notre Dame fans out there. You might want to thank Cincinnati for beating them. Otherwise, Notre Dame probably goes undefeated this season. And I don't think anybody would have wanted to see that because I think we kind of know what Notre Dame is at this point because it's proven in college football playoff games. It just quite can't hang with those elite level teams. Cincinnati isn't even going to be granted the chance to do that. And as a college football fan, as a sports fan in general, 
you know, that, that that's the one real flaw with college football. As great as this sport is and as well as it does everything else, it has the worst way go, about going out and picking its national champion. And it doesn't – it is not all systems are created equal in this sport. And I think you sort of see it there, obviously, with Cincinnati uh, and the way that that program is viewed through the college football playoff committee right now. Because I can tell you one thing, they're not going to move up a whole lot either. You don't see a Houston or you don't see an SMU ranked in those rankings there, which is essentially the committee saying, hey, we don't – believe that you're going to be able to do enough to get even higher in these rankings and you're really going to have to ride that Notre Dame win to really even have much of a discussion but for them to come in at six and Alabama to come in at two I think sort of shows what the committee values here they value the eye test and they value head-to-head wins that's why you have Michigan State in the top three that is why you have Oregon over Ohio State so those head-to-head wins really matter if you're looking at a Georgia schedule and we'll probably end here on this and then obviously open it up to your questions and comments uh, if, if you're Georgia, obviously there's been some hand wringing I've seen about Georgia's schedule and how tough it is. Oh, look, they've gone out and dominated everyone. It's not like there's other than the Clemson game, the first game of the year, which JG was JG Daniels was pretty clearly hurt and not playing well in that game. They've dominated everyone. They have two ranked opponents on there right now in Kentucky and Auburn. You'd probably love to see them specifically this weekend win their bo- both of their games because that's probably if they win those, that means they're going to end the season ranked. Ten- uh, Kentucky plays Tennessee. They're a slight favorite in that game, and I can tell you right now, I'm picking Tennessee to win that game. I don't think this Kentucky team is playing well at the moment. And then obviously, Auburn, Texas A&M, I think that's a fascinating game, and Auburn's pretty clearly one of the 25 best teams. And I'll admit, I, I, I've been wrong about Brian Harson and what he's been able to do that first year there at Auburn. Bo Nix has looked really improved, especially the last really month of the season. And if they're able to go in there and win at Texas A&M, I think that's going to make things very interesting for this Auburn team in the stretch run there. Uh, they've got the win over Ole Miss. And so it'll be interesting to sort of see how that team goes about and finishes its season there. So first college football playoff rankings are out. Georgia comes in at number one. Little to no surprise there. We'll obviously monitor this, and and it'll be a discussion point every Tuesday night now for the rest of the regular season. But moving on a little bit, touching on the Georgia quarterback situation, obviously, Stetson Bennett goes out and starts last week against Florida, and it's not so much that he starts, it's that he played every single snap in a game that was 34-7. to It was pretty quickly over in the second half there. So you're wondering now, all right, what does this situation look like? I do think JT Daniels plays this week, but I don't know how much of that is because of his health and, and the competitive nature and competitive balance with the quarterbacks here. And how much of it is that this Missouri team is just awful. They're probably going to be playing a backup quarterback. They're a 39. They opened as a 39 point underdog and they struggled with Ole Miss or excuse me, not Ole Miss. That'd be okay to struggle with. They struggled with Vanderbilt last week and Missouri. I believe they have the worst rush defense in the entire country. Uh, it's going to get real nasty and real ugly, but as far as this quarterback situation, I thought Kirby had a very interesting sort of tone on Tuesday night. He was asked straight up, you know, how do you go about evaluating these quarterbacks? And was Stetson Bennett or is Stetson Bennett your starting quarterback for Saturday? And I'll play you the what, what Smart had to say here. It was very interesting, at least to me, and I, I get why he, he he answered the way that he did. That he come out, he did not come out in the affirmative and note that Stetson was going to be a starter, given the way that this quarterback situation has played out in recent weeks, with Stetson starting the last four games and playing every single meaningful snap, not just every meaningful snap, every single snap against Florida. So I thought Kirby Smart's comments here interesting. How much do they really mean? I've sort of thrown my hands up at the quarterback situation. It is what it is. It'll sort itself out. Kirby Smart, I don't think, is going to give us a whole lot of honesty and transparency when speaking to the media about quarterback play. But here's what he had to say tonight on the matter. 
I think it's important for, for, for both of them to continue to develop, make good decisions. I mean, part of playing quarterback is accuracy, decision-making, mobility. Those things are the critical factors. I mean, anybody can hand it off. We all know that. And anybody can make our run checks and decisions. Um, but it's the, it's the decisions when the ball's in your hand and you're having to make decisions where you're going with it, where you're throwing it, um, all those things that are the you know, biggest deciding factors. But, yeah, I'm pleased with where both of them are. Is Stetson going to be starting again? Like I said, I'm pleased with where both of them are, and, and I think both of them are doing a great job. So, yeah, you obviously see Kirby get followed up with there on the Stetson quarterback situation and him obviously – sidestep it there look i i can't bother to predict where it's going to be what it's going to be like I, I can just say what i think and feel kirby smart knows what he has in stetson bennett stetson bennett there is a safeness about him which given the way he plays might not make a lot of sense but allow me to explain what that what i mean by that we know what we're getting in stetson bennett every single week now he's going to make five or six good throws he's going to show have a couple drives where he's capable of moving this offense down the field he's going to use his legs to help this georgia offense move and get the ball down the field you saw him outrun brenton cox this past weekend he's also going to have two or three turnover worthy plays a game those plays were intercepted against florida they were not against uh kentucky and arkansas those plays are still there so you know week to week what you are getting with stetson bennett with, with JT Daniels, we still don't know what we're getting. And, and part of the reason that's why I think so many people push to see him on the field because I, I think anyone will admit the ceiling with this Georgia offense is higher with JT Daniels out there. But we also don't know that JT Daniels can stay healthy on a week-to-week basis. He hasn't proven the ability to do that this season. Really, at any point in his college career, he has not played a full season at USC or at Georgia, and it has not been one single injury it has been a, a litany of things, obviously, this season, but he had a concussion his first year at USC. He obviously tears his ACL year two at USC. Last year, missed the first six games after a second surgery on that knee there. And then this year, it's been an oblique. It's been a lad. It's been a whole bunch of different ailments for JT Daniels this season. And so I think because of that uncertainty, I think that's why you saw Kirby ride with Stetson on Saturday. He knew what he was getting in, in, in Stetson. He, knew he wasn't going to have to worry about Stetson getting hurt or having to come out of that game. And they know what they're getting week in, week out. And I thought Nolan Smith, what he had to say afterwards and the defense that he had of Stetson Bennett, you know, I'll be interested to see what he would have said about JT in that situation there. But there's a belief in Stetson Bennett that he is good enough to win with this team. And granted, the defense is there too. And I, I think one thing that we all sort of write off as fait accompli is, yeah, at some point somebody's going to score in this Georgia defense, whether it be Alabama, whether it be Ohio State, they're going to be able to put up points. But a lot of people felt that Florida was going to be able to move the ball consistently and score and find the end zone against Georgia. And that just didn't happen. Florida didn't score its first points in that game until I believe there were two minutes and 49 seconds left in the game there. I, at this point, with what we've seen from this defense, I think we have to start seriously entertaining the question, well, what if this defense is good enough to, to, to shut down Alabama's of the world, to shut down Ohio State's? Because while those are both good offenses, those offenses aren't what Alabama was last year or what LSU was in 2019. I think you can still see a really good defense go out there and limit what these teams are going to be able to do. And Bryce Young hasn't seen a defense as good as what Georgia has. Neither has C.J. Stroud. I think that matters. And I think you saw that because there were people praising Anthony Richardson as a national championship caliber quarterback. He did not look anything like that on Saturday, even before he got hurt in that game. So how this UGA defense is playing, I do think has factored in and how the quarterback situation has panned out so far. Do we see JT Daniels on Saturday? Yes. But I think that's more because of how bad Missouri is, more so than the closeness of this you know, quarterback competition. I'll be interested to see really what this Tennessee game 
next week says about Georgia. I think that game's going to be a little bit more competitive. Tennessee can't score it. Uh, at least so far this season, we've seen that. And so, you know, will they be able to do that against Georgia? I don't think over the course of four quarters, but maybe early on, you know, they get two, three score or not two, three, but they get a score or two and it's, you know, 10, three, 14, 10 or something along the lines of that. We're going to need to see some, some, some offense at some point from Stetson Bennett consistently getting into the forties outside of that UAB game. So it'll be, Interesting, obviously, to continue monitor this quarterback situation. I think we all have questions about it, but at the end of the day, we know we're not going to get what we all want to hear from Kirby, and it's going to be Stetson at least playing a big part throughout the rest of the regular season, and if he keeps playing as he did against Arkansas, Kentucky, and Auburn, and maybe not what we saw against Florida on Saturday, but if he keeps playing like that, it's going to be difficult for JT to unseat him because, well, yes, we saw probably the, uh, of the version of the old Stetson Bennett on Saturday, the Stetson Bennett we saw in those three games prior to that looked really, really good and looked like a, a quarterback that was capable of making the big plays and, most importantly, not turning the ball over. That's always going to be the biggest thing with Stetson Bennett. Uh, I think he does enough positives offensively to move the ball consistently for Georgia, but at the same point in time, it's those turnover-worthy plays that you really can't have. Uh, so, Obviously, we'll keep watching and monitoring that. I'm sure, much like the college football playoff rankings every Tuesday night, we're going to talk about the quarterback situation for the rest of the season. But that is our second subject of the night. Uh, one last thing here before turning it over to your guys' questions and comments, uh, talking a little bit about the Georgia receivers, specifically Dominic Blaylock and George Pickens. Obviously, there's a lot of curiosity about where those guys might be in terms of the health. Neither has played in a game this season. Uh, Kirby Smart was asked about those two guys tonight, gave – Long answers. The only other wide receiver that it seems like is really impacted from a health standpoint right now per Kirby is Justin Robinson as he deals with a hamstring injury. But you saw Marcus Rosemi Jack Sanko back out there and play a good bit this week. You saw the same with Jermaine Burton. Arian Smith is apparently ready to go as well. So Georgia's getting healthier there at the wide receiver position. Kyrus Jackson has his best game of the regular season so far. So where this wide receiver room is, specifically George Pickens and JT or uh, George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock, Kirby gave a more positive update on Dominic Blaylock. And while I don't know if we see him this week, I do think, you know, maybe Charleston Southern, maybe Georgia Tech, you see him there. I found his comments about George Pickens here very, very interesting. It sounds like that might be slowing that train down a little bit as far as him possibly seeing the field again this year. So here's Kirby Smart when asked about Dominic Blaylock and George Pickens. I don't know on uh, – I really don't know on either one. I, I, I think Blaylock will have an opportunity because of what he was able to do yesterday and today. I think he's like – headed in the right direction. He's actually taking the brace off. So this is, you know, I think he's 14 months post-ACL. So it's like not about the ACL. He's He's got to get confidence in that knee and confidence through practice. Well, his practice has been hindered by his hamstring. And it's ironic because the the brace bothers his hamstring. And he, he feels like that's part of the reason he pulled. I think it was the last time y'all were there he pulled. So he's been this big gap. Um, but I think he's got a chance. You know, I don't know on George because – um, you know, we meet medically periodically with uh, Dr. Andrews, who did the surgery, and Dr. Andrews has been uh, very positive with him. He's done Cybex testing. He's done – there's 9 million tests you do to see where you are. And he's at, at like 85% to 99% to some things. He's actually stronger on the, the, the injured leg than the other leg. So he's like come a long way. But there's no timetable yet to say SEC championship or not. We think he may be cleared to practice possibly before then, but we just don't know. I do know he's got a meeting set up with Dr. Andrews here in the near future that 
Um, he's going to get to go meet with him and uh, his mom, and they get to visit and share things. And he got that at the Auburn game. That's why he went with us, because he got to meet with uh, Dr. Andrews for um, another update. So, yeah, you hear Kirby Smart there, obviously more bullish on Dominic Blaylock coming back than George Pickens. I think that meeting with Dr. James Andrews is going to be very interesting and how all that plays out. But I think there was a lot of optimism of us seeing George Pickens at some point this season earlier, uh, you know, in the months leading up to this, I always thought the Florida game was a bit early for him. And I will note at practice, he was wearing a black Jersey on Monday. That means non-contact. Whereas Dominic Blaylock had actually transitioned into the red Jersey though. Kirby Smart a little bit earlier, gave uh, an update on Blaylock where his GPS numbers are not right where they need to be right now. So we'll see how that goes there for him. But, you know, you get Dominic Blaylock back. What he will look like, we're still not really sure. And Georgia has two good options in, in Kiaris Jackson and Ladd McConkie, who are similar body types. And so what this UGA passing offense looks like in terms of receivers and availability, is, as long as nobody else really gets injured or banged up, I think that's what you're probably going to see the rest of the way there, at least when it, when it really matters. And I'd point out again, Darnell Washington had a 32-yard catch. Brock Bowers had a 38-yard catch. Those tight ends are able to create explosive plays. And while, yes, there's a lot of concern about the wide receiver position, I do think that the, the tight ends playing as well as they have played this year takes a ton of pressure off this wide receiver room and is going to make things much easier for whoever ends up being the quarterback there. But we have our health updates on the wide receivers. We have a quarterback update. We have college football playoff initial rankings chatter. And now we turn it over to you guys. Comments, thoughts, concerns, what you guys want to talk about, recruiting. Obviously, we can touch on that as well there. Uh, David Williams, good to see you. If you have any questions, ask away, fire away. I will do my best to answer them uh, in the manner that I could. Uh, let's see. Uh, James Leonard Brown. Yeah, so I'll touch on uh, Zamir White here a little bit. I thought he was fantastic on Saturday. James Cook played well uh, as well there, but... I thought even before that long 42 run to sort of push Zamir over the, you know, 100-yard mark and, and the touchdown that he had there, I thought he was fantastic. I think he's continued to look like Georgia's best running back this season. I think, like we saw in the Clemson game, if Georgia finds itself where it's got to run the clock out or it's in a tight game, I think it knows it has a running back that it can count on in Zamir White. And, and so I'll be interested to see, obviously, as the games get bigger and bigger, does his touch load increase and it really sort of whittled down from you know at times a, a four running back you know rotation to a, a two-man set with James Cook and Zamir White back there uh, Kenny McIntosh did return to the field this past Saturday but you also saw him have a fumble in that game and then obviously Kendall Milton is dealing with an MCL injury there as well uh, let's see it's still zero zero uh, man uh, well it's not looking great for the Braves right now so uh, Kelly Cole. Yeah. That Tennessee game nervous might not be the word I would use. I think we've seen what we, we, we know what we're going to get from Tennessee in that game. They're going to be able to come out and score early using their tempo. Uh, I think Josh Heupel does a good job of mixing that in with his team, but this team, because of all the turnover that they had, all the depth that they had lost to the transfer portal, I don't think they're going to be able to keep up over the course of four quarters there. You saw Florida and Alabama both pull away. I'd expect you'd see something similar from Georgia in that game where maybe Tennessee is able to keep it close early, maybe even into the second half there. But this Georgia team has the talent, has the horses, so to speak, to pull away over the course of a four-quarter game. Uh, Jason Rucker, uh, yeah, sure. I'll talk a little bit about uh, Keely Ring. I'm going to have a story on him coming tomorrow morning. 
we got a chance to talk to him tonight, and I'll say this: Keely Ringo has been impressive this season. Obviously, I you know I you guys know this more than anyone. I despise those PFF rankings, so I don't put a whole lot into where they have him. But he's looked more and more confident each and every week, and obviously he has sort of I don't know what to call it an argument, a dust up on Saturday where it's not so much him having bust, but another member of the Georgia secondary wasn't making plays and Keeley was sort of getting on that player. Kirby smart pulled them aside and said, Hey, we don't do that. That is not how we, how we interact as a team. And that is not how we play. And so sat him down on the bench, but everything there is all good. I think Keeley is making the strides. You want to see a second year player make Kirby. I, I came very close to including uh, what Kirby had to say about Keely tonight, but Keely didn't practice at all last year. And so he's continuing to make strides and get better each and every week. And again, Georgia's secondary, I don't believe has been really tested to its full limit so far. You'll probably see that in a game against an Ohio state against an Alabama. But I would note that I think as the season goes along, you have to feel confident in what you have back there. If this, if this group is healthy, you like what you have in Darian Kendrick got there at the other corner. He not much has been heard or written from about Kendrick because teams just aren't really throwing at him. Lewis seen and Chris Smith are a great safety duo to duo to have back out there. And Keely Ringo is getting better every single week. Uh, I think if there's a, a, a spot that teams are going to target, I think it's going to be Latavius Brini there in the star position. That's where losing a guy like Tyke Smith to an ACL injury makes you very thin back there. But I think you've, you have to like what you've seen from the development of the Georgia secondary this season, even if they haven't been totally tested yet. Uh, let's see. I think uh, Jeff Boyle, I think James Cook likes the involvement that he is getting. They, they, they use him in a variety of ways. And I think they've also shown that they can use him more going forward in other obvious ways there as well. If you think of a guy like Alvin Kamara, I think James Cook's style is so much better suited for the NFL. And part of this too, Kirby Smart talked about this tonight. You don't want to give those guys, you know, too much wear and tear because then they're not going to be able to hold up over the course of the season. And, James Cook is absolutely a difference maker against the Alabamas, the Ohio States of the world. And if he's got so much wear and tear in his tires that he's not able to play in that game and his effectiveness is limited, I think that hurts you. I think you look back at the 2019 season, Georgia had to rely on DeAndre Swift a lot during the year and his body just physically wasn't able to hold up. And so I think Kirby Smart has learned from that. And so I think James Cook is absolutely a guy who could have a bigger impact in those big December and January games potentially. Uh, Michael Porter, do I think I see George Pickens play this year? I'm going to keep saying the same line I have been saying. Until I actually see him out there on the field, I'm going to be skeptical that we see him return. Uh, Alan Hampton, no. I think I think this is it for Zeus. It's been four years. He's shown NFL teams that he is fully healthy and has looked better and better each and every year. Uh, I know Del McGee, uh, I believe in an ESPN story had said that he told Zamir to go pro last year, just given sort of the injury shelf life with running backs. Uh, I, I think Zamir has shown everything that he's wanted to. He's become a leader for this program, uh, both on and off the field. And so I think this will, this will be it for Zamir and James Cook, even with the extra year of eligibility. Let's see. Questions, comments, thoughts. Uh, Mark Satterfield. Yeah. So I, I figured now is probably a good time to talk about Dan Mullen. I've written, pretty extensively about him. I asked what I thought was a recruiting question that would maybe turn it into a 24 hour story. And then Dan Mullen has just gone and and blown everything up. Uh, I I have said time and time again, I think the longer that Dan Mullen is at Florida, the better it is for this Georgia program. 
uh, because it is clear that he just does not have the desire to go out and recruit at the level that a program of Florida is capable of doing so. And so as long as he's going to go out there and say, yeah, top 10, top 15 classes are good enough. We'll trust our evaluations and make it work. That's just not, it's just not good enough. Dan Mullins is becoming the Florida head coach is one in three against Kirby Smart. And and Georgia and Florida are probably pretty equal programs in terms of resources and what you're able to do. Now, you might be nitpicking there, but in terms of opportunity, in terms of recruiting ability, those programs should be the same. We know how Kirby Smart feels about his ability to go out there and recruit. We also, unfortunately, know how Dan Mullen feels about it. And Dan Mullen very clearly does not view recruiting as a 365-day sort of activity. And I think that makes it very, very difficult to see him at Florida for the long term. I know Mark wants wants that five-year extension. I think Florida's going to win the rest of its games this season. I think their schedule is very weak the rest of the way, and they should get to eight and four in the regular season. And if Dan Mullen chooses to take a bowl game seriously, that team will get to nine wins. But he's going to enter next year under a ton of pressure, and he has to go out and make changes. I think Todd Grantham is pretty clearly his final days there at, at Florida. And it's not even that I think the defense was a problem on Saturday, but they need a dynamite recruiter. You, you think back to the end of the Mark Richt era where Mark Richt, you know, they did not recruit well in the 2012-2013 class, specifically that 2013 class, which is a big reason Mark Richt got fired after the 2015 season. So he had to go out and bring in Jeremy Pruitt, and Jeremy Pruitt helped turn around the way Georgia recruited but also there were some issues that later on with Pruitt ultimately I think ended up sinking Mark Rick. So Florida's going to have to do something similar there where they're going to have to go out and hire a, a guy that is capable of changing the way that Florida recruits because it's clear Dan Mullen does not have that sort of instinctiveness. Oh, there we go. All right, Braves, and this is I'm a few minutes behind now, but Braves got three outs, got out of the inning there. Yeah, Cam Key. Uh, so on the Tavius Brini, I'll say this. Other teams have clearly targeted him. They think that's the weak point of the Georgia secondary. He's also held his own when called upon. He's made some big plays. Obviously, he had a pass breakup against Clemson in the end zone and then did it again against Auburn. So while you know some might see him as the weak leak in this secondary, he has made big plays when targeted. So let's see. Comments, questions. Uh, I, I will note, uh, Josh and Kayla Culp, I, I, I think that the JT Russ factor, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Given last year we saw against Mississippi State, JT came in and threw for 400 yards in his first start. So that that doesn't really jive with me of the, the need to go out and see him out there. If you're going to put JT out there, the Russ factor I don't think should play into it at all. I, I think it's more just, is he the, it, does Kirby Smart view him as the quarterback of giving uh, Georgia the most? Uh, Santi, uh, D Arnold, uh, if Auburn wins out and I'm assuming you mean the sec championship game, they're going to have a mighty impressive resume where they'll have a win over Georgia. Who's going to be the number one team in the country. They'll have a win over Alabama. They'll have wins over AM and, uh, Ole Miss there as well. Mississippi state, another team that was ranked tonight, surprisingly at number 17 there. So yes, their losses right now are to, uh, to Penn state and Georgia and Penn state. I don't believe was ranked tonight, but that, that that's a team that hung with Ohio state. I think they could beat Michigan state later in the year. I think they could possibly find a way to beat Michigan. So that loss at, at Penn state is going to hold them back. And I, I certainly think if Auburn goes on a nice little run here now, will they be able to do so is a different, different situation there because I, I, you wonder about where the horses and the guys on this team, do they have the depth to make it through the year? Uh, I'm not totally sure that that could be the case. 
Uh, Billy Hurley, I, I know you want to see JT start. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Seth Bennett is still going to start on Saturday for this Georgia team. Now, could JT end up starting for the Alabama game? I think maybe Kirby Smart can make that change there. But as constitutive, Stetson plays like he did before the bye. And as long as he's not consistently turning the ball over, I think you're going to see him continue to be the 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 head coach or the starting quarterback there for Georgia. Uh, Michael Clayton, you can believe that Carson Beck and Brock Vandergraaff are more talented than Stetson Bennett, but I don't know how you look at what Carson Beck did when he came in and played earlier this year and say he's a better quarterback right now than than Stetson Bennett. And Brock Vandergriff was never going to play this year. He's never going to be the guy. He's going to take a year. He's going to learn. But I think with what we've seen with Stetson Bennett and how he has been used, I think that gives you some encouragement in how Brock Vandergriff can use because I think he has, at the very least, some of the same athletic traits there. But again, Stetson Bennett, is he started five games for Georgia this year. They have won all of them. And yes, the defense is the big reason why, but let's not also sit here and ignore the fact that he played really well against UAB, against Kentucky, against Auburn. You know, that 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 should be counted there for Stetson Bennett. And Stetson Bennett, look, I, I know he's not some star-rated recruit, but nobody thought that Stetson Bennett at any point was capable of that. That counts as quarterback development there as well. So I understand why people, because of the recruiting rankings, want to see Carson, want to see Brock, even JT. You can mention him there as well, but Let's also remember to give Stetson Bennett his due here. I think uh, that's a little unfair there. Uh, Joe Bailey, I will say, yes, uh, Anderson is going to pitch game seven for this Braves teams tomorrow. Uh, Jonathan Hurry, it, it's interesting with Pod and kicking field goals because you know, obviously he was great last season. Uh, and in this year, I believe he's 12 of 16, which isn't all that different from what he was a season ago, but it seems like he's going to have one miss per game. But weirdly, I'm glad when he gets that miss out of the way early, I do feel like he settles down a little bit and makes more kicks after that. He obviously did make two field goals this past week, but he also missed uh, down there in Jacksonville. Maybe the win was a little bit of an issue. Uh, Kirby Smart did, I believe, make that make that point afterwards. But, I mean, unless you're kicking in a dome, which, granted, Paul Lesney did against Cincinnati last year in the Peach Bowl there, I think that's going to be something that's going to continue to watch. But, it's not like Pod Lesney has missed enough to warrant full-scale worry. He's only, I, I believe, missed four field goals and, yes, an extra point on the season so far. But he still made a consistently enough rate to where, you know, it's not like Alabama in years past where you can't trust them at all to make a field goal there. So, uh, let's see. Questions, comments, thoughts? Um, so James Hunter Brown, this is an interesting, an interesting point. I think Georgia fans, if they win the SEC and they go undefeated, if they're playing Texas A&M, if they're playing Auburn, I think they'd be just okay with that. And is if they go out national championship and they, a large majority would not care. Oh, Alabama fans are going to be like, oh, well, you didn't beat Alabama. Even if this is an Alabama team that loses multiple times this season. And so. As someone who chronicles Georgia, as follows, you know, the sort of theoretical heroes for Georgia, you want to see them Alabama in the SEC championship game. You want to see them take down a team that has been as dominant as Alabama has over the past to, to really end end. You know, that's what Georgia's going trying to do this year. They're trying to end the narrative that good team win you championships anymore. They're trying to end the narrative that you know the whole 1980 thing. And if you get a chance along the way to end the Alabama bugaboo, bugaboo that has haunted this Georgia program over the last 15 or year, so years, I think you got to go out and do it this season there as well. So, 
Uh, let's do maybe one or two more questions. We've, we've hit the 40 minute mark here. Um, let's see comments, thoughts, questions. I'll scroll around and see what we see. Dion where, I mean, the way this defense is playing, if a lot of people thought Florida was going to be able to score on, on Georgia, they weren't. And again, you're gonna have to see it against Alabama. You're gonna have to see it against Ohio state, but Maybe maybe this defense is good enough to single-handedly carry Georgia to a national title like it was for LSU on offense or like it was for Alabama on offense. So we'll see how that goes there. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so Philip Jordan-Wells brings this up. Georgia's schedule, they're, they're not going to be in a position to be in shootouts until they you know potentially play in, in, in an SEC championship game against Alabama. And if it's not Alabama, Texas a and not going to be a shootout game. Auburn's not going to be a shootout game. That's not how those teams want to play. And if you look at the college football playoff tonight, the top four, Alabama is the only team that really wants to score and put up a lot of points. Michigan State and Oregon, who came in at number three and number four, those teams are much more similar to Georgia. They're not going to try and, and, and want to run up there and go score 50 points. They're going to want to lean on their defenses where they are more talented. So... I think that there's that Cincinnati is the same way. Yes, Oklahoma, Ohio State teams, a lot of people might expect to be there. Oklahoma's got to beat somebody that has a, a winning record. I believe Kansas State is the only team on their schedule right now that they have beaten that has a winning record. And they got to be able to do that by more than two touchdowns because if you're struggling to beat those types of teams, I'm, Georgia fans shouldn't be worried about playing Oklahoma if this is the Oklahoma team that they're going to see in the college football playoff. So, uh, Kelly Cole, yes. The Oklahoma team that we've seen through the first 10 weeks of the season, this Georgia team handles that team. That that Oklahoma team is not serious. You do not fool around with Kansas in the manner that you did. And I know a lot of people love Caleb Williams, and I think he's going to be a heck of a player. But this Oklahoma team, they're not able to run the ball, and if you're not able to consistently keep this Georgia team off balance. I mean, look, we saw it this week with Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones, for that matter. Uh, running quarterbacks, Caleb Williams is not – Caleb Williams is an incredible player, don't get me wrong – but he's not some Lamar Jackson type athlete that's going to be able to run around and make a problem for this Georgia defense. So this Oklahoma team, look, if, if you're Georgia and you're getting Oklahoma in the first round of the college football playoff game, college football playoffs, I think you should love what you have the potential to see there. So uh, we'll end on this, Eric Emmert. Uh, my pick to win the Big Ten, it's still Ohio State. That Michigan State team, that's a gritty win that they were able to pull out. But I thought I actually came away pretty impressed with what Michigan did in that game. I thought they were the better team. Obviously, they got to find a way to win it. And that's been a problem for Jim Harbaugh there. But I like what I've seen from Michigan so far this year. But at the end of the day, I still think it's going to be Ohio State at the end of the year that wins the Big Ten and gets into the playoff because of that, because they're going to have beaten Michigan State. And they're going to have beaten Michigan there as well. And then, you know, a Wisconsin or an Iowa probably – at this point, uh, you know, it could be a Minnesota, could be a Purdue there as well in the Big Ten title game. But I, I think that's going to be Ohio State there representing the Big Ten in the college football playoff at the end of the year. So that'll be it tonight. Um, thanks again for tuning in. We have Jeff's Intel with Before the Hedges tomorrow night. We have Dog Nation daily every Monday through Friday. We have Cover 4 on Thursday. That should be a ton of fun. You have Mike Griffiths on the beat. You've got Georgia taking on Missouri this Saturday, noon kickoff. Uh, I hate that. I know a lot of other people hate that. Missouri's just a bad team. This is almost like an FCS-level game for Georgia with how bad this Missouri team is right now. So, you know, it's a little bit of a bummer there. Georgia's not going to get another home uh, night game the rest of the season. So, something to watch and pay attention to. Georgia comes in number one in the first college football playoff rankings. Kirby Smart mum on what he's going to do with the quarterback position and obviously a health update on Dominic Blaylock and George Pickens. But 
This has been Connor Riley. We do this every Tuesday night. We'll be back again next Tuesday. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Make sure you check out Dog Nation for the latest Dog Nation content throughout the week.